In this episode, we're having a conversation with our colleagues in the business department. During these times, it is certainly not business as usual. Let's listen to what our local experts are thinking about during this time. Hey, Christina. So what, what are some of the things you're thinking about now that we're a few weeks into this pandemic? So I, I, I'm primarily thinking about two things. I'm, I'm definitely thinking about small business because it's my area of focus and it's where locally we're seeing the most damage. And, and I'm also thinking about my students because a lot of those you know, a lot of our students are number one, are, are working in those small businesses that we patronize on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so, so for me, the and, and living in downtown Oceanside, where I'm seeing, you know, where, you know, we get so much of our money from the tourist industry, seeing all these businesses that are, that are on, you know, either closed or on 80 or 90% reduced operations um, for me right now is, is really worrying and really heartbreaking. The, the student piece of it, I, especially over this last weekend and seeing that, you know, this is not something where we're just going to like bounce right back. And some of, so, you know, so, so, you know, we have so many people out there that have been laid off or furloughed or from their jobs um, one of the things that I was really thinking about this weekend in terms of students was the, the concept of being able to pivot. So, you know, some of our, our local, we've seen it with um, our local breweries and distilleries that have now turned to making hand sanitizer. Um, apparel folks have turned to making um, face masks. And so I started thinking for myself about, you know, a lot of the industries that our students are working in and, and how they can successfully pivot. You know, like teaching entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of a lot of what I do is like teaching about like how to generate ideas. Yeah. And so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about, okay, you know, if you're doing this, how what would you pivot to? How could you pivot? You know, that that kind of stuff. And with the small businesses, yeah, in downtown Oceanside, you know, was I assume was pretty it was thriving. But now yes. What does that look like in terms of recovery? Like what, I know a lot of small businesses, just like a lot of individuals are kind of paycheck to paycheck. And I know yep. the small business uh, emergency fund was, you know, uh, used up pretty quickly. So how long can, how, how long can a lot of these businesses stay viable and what does a pivot look like for them? So small businesses are run by people and we all know the challenges that people tend to have with saving money and small businesses are no different. Right. Um, if the business owner has been prudent, um, they have, you know, they've, they've got some, some emergency capital that they can work with. My guess is that, you know, like the, I think the recommendation is normally that you have about six months to a year on hand, but that's like saying to you, do you have six months of a mortgage payment on hand if right. something happens? Um, yeah, asking a lot. Yeah, and we know, you know, that, that figure came out in the fall about, you know, most, most Americans uh, couldn't come up with an extra 400 bucks if they needed to. And a lot of times small businesses, you know, or and most small businesses a lot of times are the same way, theoretically, or in concept. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that if this thing goes on much past, at least with all of these businesses closed, um, or in seriously reduced operations, if it goes on much past... Um, where are we? We're in mid-April. If it goes on probably past mid-May, then um, we're going to see a lot of small businesses that don't come back. Mm. As it stands now, when they do come back, they're going to have, I mean, they're going to have to fundamentally change their business models. 
um, if, if we're going to have to allow for social distancing. And, you know, you look at some of our um, businesses in our, in, or, or some of the cities in North County, and so much of that, so much of what we do is, is dependent on, on tourism. Um, I know in Oceanside, it's a $382 million a year industry. Um, and right now, the city of Oceanside is, is losing, I think it's like $8 million a month. Um, wow. because the hotels are closed, you know, the, the, the harbor's closed, everything is, um, you know, every, everything is, is basically either closed or on, you know, 80 to 90% reduced operations right now. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, the, the situation is dire. Yeah, I heard over the weekend that, and, and this could have been announced sooner, um, that Comic-Con has been canceled for the summer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And part of the commentary was, you know, not only is that devastating for our local tourist economy, but there's some some small businesses that that is their sort of annual rely on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. the music industry, right? They they've pivoted um, in the digital era where they don't really rely too much on album sales. It's these festivals and concerts and live experiences, and we see those are totally gone or done online now in a free or very cheap capacity. Movie theaters, same thing. We, we see a lot of different industries affected by this. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, that's uh, and that's something where, you know, the in looking at, at how we're all going to function in the future, you know, that's that's something that is going to change. You know, I, I like, you know, your, your yoga studio that maybe used to have occupancy for 18 students in a class well, with social distancing, that's going to go down to probably nine, you know. And nice. so then, so then, what does the what does the studio owner do? Do I charge more per session? Do I increase my my membership? Do I add additional services? Like, how how do I make that work? And so that's going to be those are going to be going to be some of the big challenges that you know people are going to be facing. I think they're the economy is going to be quite different for quite some time. The IMF just came out with some news uh, that they're predicting a 3% contraction in 2020. And if you look back when we had the the, uh, housing crisis in 08 and into 09, that was a 0.01 contraction. So going from 0.1 to 3% is significant. And so- Is that nationally or globally? That's global, that's global, yeah. Oh, wow. So, even if at the end of quarter two, June, uh, people start going back to work, there's still going to be major drops in consumer demand going through the rest of the year. So um, right. to Christina's point, we don't know. There's some businesses that aren't going to come back. I mean, you know, certainly uh, tourism, retail, travel, restaurants, transportation, service sectors uh, are all going to be hit so but that being said there are other ones that are that are blossoming too and you know and until we get herd immunity which sounds kind of dire mm-hmm. you know 70 percent of the population needs to have immunity really either through vaccines or through just being exposed um until we kind of get back to normal until then it's still going to be social distancing there's going to be a lot of shelter in place and businesses are going to have kind of a a, a tweaked limp along model and, you know, right now, I think to Christina's point, like cash management is really the biggest issue. Mm. So if they're cash strapped, those are the ones that are going to fall first. It's like, 
Warren Buffett has this great saying, you know, you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, right now, um, cash management is going to be huge. How do they uh, manage their supply chain because those suppliers are also locked down. So it's going to be the deep pocket companies that are probably going to survive. And sadly, the small and medium sized businesses, we're going to see a lot of attrition. Yeah, which is to say that there's a big contribution that we can all make in terms of our small and local businesses. And that's, you know, like, I know our, our first inclination when we want anything is to go straight to Amazon. But, you know, even, you know, but even going to your local Walmart, you're putting money in the local tax base. Right. Amazon, who knows whose tax base you're putting money into. And not only that, you know, your, your small and local businesses, if you know that, you know, like, I'll give you my, my hair lady as for an example, I know that I'm going to be getting my hair done for the rest of the year. So if I have the ability to pay in advance, you know, I'm, I'm going to make that offer to her to pay in advance. Mm. You know, if, if, if I know that, you know, right now I'm, I'm essentially, I'm an essential employee or I know that my job is secure because I'm in the public sector and let's face it, everybody needs education. Then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my Christmas shopping now. And I'm doing my Christmas shopping through buying gift cards at local restaurants. I'm buying online through uh, local vendors. I am getting my vegetables through a CSA. Mm. And so, you know, there's, there's, there are things that we can be doing right now that, you know, can help all of those little guys out. Um, because, yeah, those, those are the guys that are going to have, that are having the cash problems. It's, it's not, Walmart's going to be fine. Amazon's going to be fine. Disney's going to be fine. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's our neighbors that are going to have the problems. Mike, you want to jump in? Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. There was a great article on CNBC this morning talking about how do you adjust to this new environment as an employee? Um, and it brought up a couple of great points that, you know, the first is to recognize that, you know, the skill set that you were using to support yourself before might not be as relevant going forward. And therefore, it's very important that you kind of think about, well, you know, even though I may have been doing a certain thing to earn my living, are there some other skill sets that I either have or I can develop further to be able to adjust to what's in demand right now? Mm. You know, and one of the key things that they talked about was how just what we're doing right now, you know, instead of having this meeting at school, we're doing it through technology and, uh, you know, making sure that you have some techno technological skills to be able to survive in this environment. Um, is a really important thing. Uh, and the article went on to uh, give some websites where they talk about uh, basically, you know, jobs that can be done, uh, you know, uh, from a distance, like we're doing remote. And um, there's a couple of sites that are actually now specializing in that. And I can give you the websites for those later on, which I think is really important because, you know, they, they might not be the most glamorous jobs, but hey, they're looking for people to work them right now. And with some of our students that may have been working at restaurants and bars and things like that, that there aren't that opportunity, it might be a place where they can, uh, you know, at least get some employment uh, for the near term. You know, it's interesting when we talk about the small business aspect of it, um, uh, I agree with both Nate and Christina, it's going to be devastating. I mean, there is no way that every single small business that we're familiar with in our own community is going to survive. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when you have that first batch of uh, uh, relief money that went out from the government subsidizing large chains instead of focusing on the small business communities. I'm hoping yeah. in, in this next go round 
that's yeah. coming, you know, it's going to be coming out in the next couple of days, that there's going to be some lock on that, that, you know, a yeah. company like Ruth Chris, um, they don't need to right. suck up millions of dollars of loans, right. because they're going to be fine, as Christina said, that money needs to be going to the small community right. uh, situations. And but part of the problem from that, because over the past couple of days, I've been talking to um, people that I know in the accounting profession that are working with their clients to get them these small business loans. And, you know, some banks, quite frankly, are better than others yeah. in terms of getting that done. You know, uh, local banks in particular seem to be doing a much better job, whereas when you're dealing with a, a larger bank, uh, dare I say, Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. um, you, you could have a lot of problem in trying to get that completed. Yeah. And, and so that kind of segues nicely into a conversation I want to have with you all about from your discipline perspective, what is your interpretation of some of the policies that have been introduced thus far and what they mean for individuals, what they mean for small businesses and larger businesses, and specifically like those small business loans and, and the stimulus checks that people are starting to receive? You mean, you, you mean from um, policies from a federal state perspective, like yes. money stuff? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. If anybody wants to jump in. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I have things to say, but they're not happy things. <laughs> um, Mike, you go ahead and then I'll, I'll follow. Well, you know, again, uh, going back to that point I just made, I mean, you know, look, the idea of stimulus and making small business loans is great. But when you're making loans to a company like Ruth Chris and the such, that's not really a small business loan. So, you know, I, I think that there has to be more of a focus of this is the type of business that these loans are going to be for and, and not for larger players that really have enough access in the capital markets to be able to survive on their own. Yeah, yeah. I, um, so I've, I've talked to probably 15 or 20 small business owners and small, small folks in my community. Um, none of them have been able to obtain stimulus money. Hmm. Um, wow. it is, uh, and, and banks are, banks are pretty tight on lending right now. And the SBA process has always been a relatively cumbersome process, but it is definitely not targeted toward your small zero, one and two, and maybe five, 10, 15 person type business. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it's the Shake Shack and the Ruth Chris and all of these, these, um, medium to large size businesses. Uh, the issue, you know, and, and, and in terms of like policies that have happened so far, well, you know, like the stimulus started with the Tax Act of 2018. Right. You know, the stimulus checks that went to large corporations were not used toward putting money away for a rainy day. They were used toward buying back stock, which inevitably bumps up the stock price. And... I haven't done any personal investigation myself. It's relatively easy to do. But, you know, I, I, would, I would harbor a guess and say that there have been some pretty big executive payoffs or um, uh, cash outs that took place um, shortly thereafter those buybacks happened. And so, um, so, so that's where the stimulus started, way before the coronavirus started. And so now, you know, when, when, when we have had this catastrophic event where that money could have been put to good use. I think about my, my girlfriend who works for United Airlines. They're paying her to sit home for the month of May. Mm. In June, wow. she's, she's relatively senior. Mm. 
But in June, she's, she's really concerned that she's going to be looking at a furlough. And this is after her company has, you know, had in 2019, one of its best years in since what well, it, it had its best single year since September 11th. Mm. And, and so, but, but they got all that, they got all that money back and they used it to buy back stock. And so now they don't have it to support the employees. And so they've gone to the federal government and they're going to get a buyout or they're going to get, yeah, I'm going to call it a buyout. So, so yeah, I, I, I feel really um, uh, disgusted is a good word um, at how this has and how this is going to shake out for, for the small folks. And sadly, you know, it's similar to the, the, the TARP program that Obama did back in 08 and 09. That money was supposed to go and, and end up helping, you know, final consumers with pocketbook issues and the, the, there's no trickle down, right? The money goes in and it doesn't necessarily get back down to, to those who most need it. So it's, <laughs> I just, I, yeah, um, not to like just bash on the Fed, but I just think it's it's a crude broad tool that doesn't work well to, you know, the, the shareholder focus for the businesses and and they're gonna focus on their own. It's, it's, it's a crude tool that isn't designed to help those who need it most. Yeah. And, and the, the stimulus for individuals isn't really, in my view, isn't really going to go that far in terms of consumer buying power, right? I mean, for people who are missing paychecks here. Nope. No, it's, it's not going to, it's certainly not going to make rent in Southern California. Right. Yeah. East and West Coast cities, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's not nearly enough. You know, which brings up an interesting point. Is this situation going to, there's already been a migration out of California anyway, but is this situation really going to increase the amount of people that are, migrate, are migrating out of the state um, because of the economics that are going to be, you know, the everyday recurrence going forward? So I think that's really important because, you know, um, I will say that I think, you know, the governor of this state, um, has tried to do a very good job about managing expectations and and giving people uh, a true idea of what's going on and, and trying his best, I think, really under the circumstances to make sure that we stay viable. But there is going to be this effect. And I, and I think it's, you know, when we talk to our students and, and we talk about job opportunities, um, are, are we going to now be couching that in terms of, well, you know, this is a great field to go into, if you want to work in another state other than California. Yeah, exactly. Um, whew, okay, so <laughs> I think what one, uh, these economic disparities that are really being revealed right now um, um, are, are, for me, just hard to think about and, and yep. at such a large level. Uh, earlier though, Christina, you, you introduced this concept of pivoting. How, how can we, think of this moment as educators and how might we pivot with this specific issue in mind, these economic disparities? What, um, what scholarships do we have access to? What programs do we have access to? How do we encourage our students, uh, small business, uh, so business students, but I think students in general, um, especially as a community college, seems like this yep. will be our job for the next little months, if not years, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So number one, I think we all need to be asking the question to our students, what do you need? Yeah. And, and we have to ask it in a way where they're comfortable telling us. If you know, like if you put it in a Canvas survey, um, it's, it, 
it's great. I love, I love anonymous surveys for feedback about my teaching, but if I need to help you with something, I need to know who you are. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of this CARES money is going to come down to institutions. So if, if somebody needs a laptop, it's, it's quite likely that you as a faculty member, or me as a faculty member, can help to identify some resources that can get that student a laptop. It might be a physical laptop or it might be a check from a foundation or the foundation or, or a fund somewhere. So, so I think that that's a really important piece is, is for us to constantly be asking our students, hey, how are you guys doing? Um, and, and, um, and, and communicating openness, you know, to, to try to solicit that information from a place of, of, of care. Um, and, and it's, it, I know it can be hard for students to view us as somebody who's, who's approachable. So some of us might have to work harder, that, harder at that than others. Um, but that to me is, is really the first thing that, that we can do for them. The second thing that we can do for them um, and, and I can, so I teach entrepreneurship and my, um, my background is in investment management, um, but, or investment services. But, um, you know, one of the things that I, I do think about a lot is, okay, so from a business perspective, how can I help, how can I help my students who maybe have been laid off? who maybe aren't getting a stimulus check um, for whatever reason, and a lot of our students aren't getting stimulus checks because they're dependents on somebody else's tax return. Right. Um, but how do I help those individuals try to find a way to get some money coming in? And so I've, I've really been thinking about, okay, so if I have a student who was, for example, um, who might have like a special skill, you know, maybe, maybe they're really good at math or maybe they're a really good writer. Well, how do I help them um, find some resources to maybe do some tutoring? Sure. Um, maybe, maybe you are somebody who, is, who has, maybe it's not an academic school, skill, maybe it's a technical skill. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's performance. You know, um, I, I think that we have to we have to start thinking about encouraging them to think entrepreneurially. You know, if, if, if you're in the yoga program and you're doing, you know, and you're doing your, and you have a, a flow that you do every morning, why not put that flow on Instagram or put that flow on Facebook or, or, and send a link out and say, hey, if you do this and you enjoy it, here's my GoFundMe. Maybe shoot me some money on a donation or maybe, shoot, maybe send me a donation. Mm -hmm. um, so something like that, if, if you're, if a student like, you know, say is, is working at the Y as a activity, a camp, um, as a, a camp coordinator, and you're really good at instructing little kids on how to like do crafts, maybe make a couple of videos that are, that, that show me as a mom who has no idea how to make crafts other than to do like little construction board uh, rings. Um, maybe make a couple videos and say, you know, and, and, and put a link to a donation fund in there. Mm -hmm. Another thing is, you know, you can, if, if you're great at, at constructing something, put a, you know, put it together, take a picture of it and say, hey, if anybody, you know, this is what I just made. 
if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you for five bucks or 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like just those, those little things that might help, you know, you, you're, you, that might help you start like a tiny little micro business that might help you get, you know, a, a few bucks here and there. Um, I know that people are still looking for um, uh, masks. Mm-hmm. Anybody that can put together a mask, you can easily sell them for five bucks, not a problem. And if you're if you can make a good quality mask, you probably sell it for ten or fifteen. You know the other opportunities out there right now, like I said, tutoring is big. People have their kids at home, and they do not want to homeschool them. Mm-hmm. That's true. They are homeschool resistant. Yeah. So if you're somebody yeah. that's got a, <laughs> so if, if you are somebody who's got some writing skills or some math skills or some some social science skills, language skills, um, there's no reason why you can't get a free Zoom account and you know and and set yourself up. Um, there's lots of websites where you can list yourself as as a tutor. You can list yourself as a freelancer. Um, and so there's lots of opportunities that are out there. And I think as faculty, we have to start thinking about, okay, so I have, I have, um, Maria in my class and Maria is writing a fantastic business plan. And I know that Maria's business plan is going to be one of the best business plans that I've ever read. Why can't I tell Maria to go list herself on Sama school or some other website and offer to write people's business plans? Mm. She can make a couple thousand bucks for writing a really good plan for somebody. Mm. You know, um, and so it's it's just thinking about and 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 thinking about that in our individual disciplines. Like, how can I how can I uh, facilitate that process for my students that are sitting at home who are wondering, you know, whether or not they're gonna, you know, that they're gonna have something to eat next week. Yeah. Um, the other piece of it is too is I I think that that they may not in, understand like what a crucible this event is going to be in their lives. I mean, this is, this is the life changer. This is, this is their great depression. This is their world war two, you know? Um, and, and so that they're going to be graduating. They're going to be transferring and graduating at a time that they might have to think differently about their intended career path. I might have a student who has their heart set on a market, you know, on marketing. Okay, well, that's great. You can be a marketer, but you really need to think about marketing in the healthcare industry. I have a student who's maybe um, a really great writer. Okay, that's great that you want to be a writer, but you might have to think now about being a a, um, technical writer, you know, and and so I I think that there's, there's, there's going to be, there's a lot of that thinking, you know, communicating to them about how we can get them to pivot. Yeah. Did that make sense? No, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, we're talking about at the heart of entrepreneurship is this idea of innovation, right? And kind of this pivoting and it's multiple transitions for individuals and businesses. It's You got to innovate yourself. Yeah, it's transitioning into what we're currently dealing with and how, you know, how long are those skills going to last? Because there's this idea that, you know, of course, we're going to be fundamentally changed on the other side of this. But there's also some significant um, evidence that people kind of return back to equilibrium, right? And and it, that happens a lot faster and a lot stronger than we may have predicted because it just feels so uncertain now that we'll never get back to normal. But in all likelihood, we we probably will get to some state of normal, even though there will be adjustments and pivots all along that. And so did you want to add something in there, Nate? 
Oh, yeah, I was, uh, Christina and I have had a lot of discussions around, you know, entrepreneurial mindset and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, since I teach that class, I'm always talking about the unmet need. What is the unmet need that your consumers have? And so what's happening right now, those unmet needs are shifting. So if you're a sports bar, you're, you need to probably come up with a new type of business. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to pivot and be nimble also. <laughs> yeah, we have we haven't even talked about you know yeah. what's gonna happen you know with you know from an institution perspective what this is gonna do to us you right. know I don't even know that the institutions had that conversation yet. Right, right. Mike, did you want to jump in? Yeah, you know, being on the accounting side, it, it's a little bit different because you know every time that the government comes out with some kind of decree. Uh, related to you know f the financial aspect of business or our life it it, it kind of creates more accounting opportunities and so it's kind of a little bit of a different landscape for accounting students or those that might want to think they want to be accounting students you know and going back to Christina's point about helping our students one of the things that's happened as we all know is that the government has pushed forward the return date from April 15th to July 15th Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, what I've done is gotten uh, in contact with people in the profession and sent out an email to them and said, look, you know, I've got some students that really want to get in to do some uh, part-time work in an accounting firm. And since now your workflow has changed, it's going to be going out till July 15th. You know, I've got a number of students that would be interested in doing that. And I've already gotten some feedback on that and have some resumes for my students to go out. So I, I think that's important because, you know, one of the things from a student perspective is they might have been taking my class just because, you know, they wanted to improve their own tax situation or understand it better. But now in a situation where the job situation is changing, now it becomes an opportunity for them to maybe explore it a little further, get a part-time job, and perhaps look at that as a career going forward. It's interesting. I had a conversation about four days ago uh, with a representative from a company that does a lot of exam review, uh, CPA review, CMA review, enrolled agent review. And they said that since this has started over the last 30, 45 days, they have, their inquiries in terms of professional exam certification has gone up tremendously. So, you know, when we talk about people thinking about pivoting, I think a lot of people are already thinking about that going, okay, you know, environment's kind of a little different. Um, this is a possible opportunity that seems to have some legs going forward. Let me look into it and see if it's something for me. So, you know, when we talk about innovation and we talk about resiliency, uh, I think I go to Sean's point is that, you know, people are pretty resilient. Um, and I think our job is to kind of draw that out of our students and make them understand that, look, you, you can survive and you can do well. You know, um, it may take that we have to look at some different paths in regards to that, um, but you can do it. And so I think, you know, one of the main things we have to do is encourage them that there are pathways that are going to be open to them and guide them to the skill sets that they need to be successful in that direction. And Mike, what are, what are the delays and the, the deadlines being pushed back in terms of like tax day and things like that? What kind, what kind of impact does that have? How do you think about that? Uh, well, I, I think it's going to make uh, firms be a lot busier than they normally would during this period of time. 
um, because obviously many of their clients are going to take advantage of this because, I mean, especially, you know, when Christina was talking about, well, I don't have the money to pay my rent. Well, you probably don't have the money to pay the taxes anyway, right? So you're going to push off filing that, that tax return as long as you can. And so the workflow gets extended. The other thing that's happening with the accounting firms is that as uh, firms apply for these small business opportunities, funding opportunities that the government supposedly is offering, um, they're going to uh, go to their accountant and make sure that they've got enough financial information to be able to fill out that application um, the right way. And so, again, that means that they've got more work coming in and they need to get some more hands on board to be able to handle it. Right. And, and Nate, I know that you also teach um, business communications, right? Uh, so what do you see in the shifts in terms of how business language and communication is, is being conducted in this remote setting? This is it right here. So, <laughs> we're on uh, Zoom. Yeah, we're seeing a huge shift into virtual meetings. Nobody um, buys pants ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody stand up ever. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I think I think that's going to be a huge. There's certainly a lot of people have ramped up on a huge learning curve. Like, wow, I need to get um, up to speed. Uh, we're doing it as educators. I need to learn how to teach online. I think everybody here already knows how to do that. But that that is also echoing out into the business community as well. Every friend I know who's you know in business. Um, is learning Zoom, getting up to speed on Slack, um, and rapidly starting to use these channels. And so I think there is going to be a shift and a walk away from some of our traditional methods of communicating, you know, having to go to the office to sit in a couple of uh, conference rooms for meetings from 9 to 12. The employees realized we don't have to do that anymore. And the businesses have realized we haven't, we don't have to do that anymore. We can be just as productive in this virtual setting. So there's going to be a bigger walk away, I think, from some of this physical stuff and a need because we are still, again, going to be social distancing probably through the balance of this year. Yeah. So you get enough months of that momentum of doing things in a different way and it becomes the norm. So, right. And yeah. you, did you want to add something, Christina? Sorry. No, no, no. I'm good. I, I was going to say, Nate, when I sent out the invitation for y'all to come on to this podcast, you had mentioned um, the perspective of thinking about some of the businesses that are thriving during this time and, and that are really viable right now. And And so can you talk about that a little bit? Some of the things that maybe we'll shift to a more positive conversation about <laughs> and, you know we, we of course there's enough space and time for for doom and gloom here because the the, the consequences are very real but what, what are some things that are going to have an upside or are already experiencing kind of an upside i think it just takes again that entrepreneurial and unmet need mindset of thinking about okay this has changed uh, for example, there's a there's going to be a high need for people to have some way to interact socially, but it's not going to be like it was. So, how can we how can we do that? I, I know that uh, uh, Home Depot's been super busy. Um, uh, pharmacies are still really busy. That sounds morbid, but um, uh, healthcare, healthcare, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, grocery software, stores, right? grocery I mean. stores. Uh, even tech support, because now these businesses are getting massive amounts of our employees on, on these technology platforms. So the support pieces behind that are, are still going to be 
important. Um, mostly that was the intent of, I think we as educators have to be careful about being too negative and doom and gloom because this is really, this is really uh, systemic for our students. Like they are just starting their careers and um, to be told, you know, and they haven't had much positive news already for the last several years about right. how, to, how to navigate their career in this new landscape. AI is coming, your job's outsourced, and now things have uh, become even more prevalent. So uh, wow. I don't know, I'd let the other colleagues jump in, but I, there's, there's always yeah. going to be um, an opportunity for a new business. It's just, uh, to Christina's point earlier, I think it's going to be a lot more entrepreneurial, and it's going to take... It's going to take that kind of mindset uh, for students to focus on what what they can do, knowing that some tracks are going to be gone. Retail, large tracks of that are probably going to be gone. Yeah, you know, I, I and I and I didn't mean to sound doom and gloom because I, I think that there is there there will be a lot of opportunity. Um, I think that that for a lot of people, this is this is an opportunity to. Um, you know, really take a look at what it is that you're doing and say, hey, you know, I, I don't mean to be doom and gloom because I think that there is, there, there's a ton of opportunity that can come out of this. You know, um, tourism is going to come back in Southern California. We, you know, the beaches aren't going anywhere. The mountains aren't going anywhere. You know, the, the, we're, we're still, you know, we still are, you know, if, if I'm going to be social distancing anywhere, I'd much rather be social distancing in Southern California and in San Diego and Oceanside specifically than just about anywhere on the planet. Right. Right. And um, so it just means that you have to think differently. You know, if, if you're, if you have your heart set on, you know, working in, working in the, the tourism industry, or you have your heart set in working in an industry that you now realize is, um, is uh, uh, vulnerable, then you really do have to think about that idea of having stuff set aside for a rainy day, um, having a second skill that you can rely on. And I guarantee you that we all have something else that we can re rely on because we all don't just, I don't sit in my house all day long and, you know, like, write lectures and grade stuff, you know, like I have talent, you know, I've got skills. I, I'm sure I do. I just have to think about what those are. Yeah, um, you and, just and, described and, my life, though. Yeah, I think I am <laughs> doing those two things only. <laughs> yeah, but but well, but think about that then. But but you're writing, mm -hmm. you know, and you're researching, you know, and, and 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 so so somewhere somehow in the world there might be a need for somebody who might and you might enjoy that aspect of your job, mm -hmm. you know, you're podcasting. You know, so, so there's, so we have, you know, all of us have something that we can fall back on and it just might need to be that it's not necessarily a fallback in the time of emergency, but it's something that I develop as I'm working in my career so that if there does come a time when I need to fall back and use this secondary skill, either one, I'm able to do it rather seamlessly or two, I've been doing it enough and squirreling up enough away that I have, um, that I, I have some, some extra savings that I can live on to ride something out. You know, I, I, and, and so it's, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, thinking about how we can all do that. You know, and, and our students, how our students can do that. Yeah. 
here, here's a positive example. I was racking my brain while Christina was talking. Like, say, you know, here's what we know is happening. I'm a glad you were listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing both. <laughs> so a lot less people are driving, right? So, and that's going to yeah. continue for quite a while. That's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot less people are commuting to work. So I look at my own life. What, how is that impacting me? I'm hopping on my bike and, and riding my bike to the grocery store a lot more. Yeah. So here, here's an upside. Okay, maybe more people are riding their bicycles around and having to go to work less. Right. Maybe there's a need for more bicycle mechanics who are, who are repairing those. And you take your garage at your house and you start, you open a little bicycle repair shop. Or, so there is little seeds and nuggets of opportunity. And um, I, I, that's where I think we as instructors and faculty will, will need to support our students as they as they navigate that and figure that out, so. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's incumbent upon us as, as instructors to just to keep reminding them that, you know, there are opportunities. Opportunities may require a little bit more digging than in, at least in the immediate past, but there are there. Um, that there are tremendous resources that the college has to offer them, you know, and not just, you know, these are the instructors, but we've got the career center and all the tools that they offer. So, you know, one of the nice things about Maricosta College in particular is the level of support that we can give our students, which I think is really important in a time like this. Yeah, and, and you know, and, there, and there's lots of, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to be facing a huge ass recession, yeah. but um, there's a lot of companies that we've all heard of that were started during a recession. Disney started in 1929. Uh, FedEx started in the early 70s in the middle of the big um, oil, uh, the, that, that crisis, that oil crisis <laughs> that yeah. took place yeah. uh, during the Carter administration. Um, Microsoft start, was started in a recession. So there's, so there's lots and lots of examples. Yeah. Um, this, and, and lots of, lots of, um, there's lots and lots of reason to be, you know, to, to see that there, that there's opportunity here. Um, it's, it's just about, you know, having the time to think and have those conversations and, and reflect. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, we've got to think harder and, and longer maybe. Yeah. Christina, you know, thinking about um, going back to the local and regional, you are involved with the Strong Workforce Group. Can you talk about like what that is, what it does, and maybe how we could leverage that for some of the innovation and funding that for um, the the eventual recovery? Yeah. So, so Strong Workforce is a it's a program that was started at the state level through legislation. Um, and there is a regional strong workforce initiative as well as a local strong workforce initiative. Um, and so this is money that is, um, that is earmarked for career education. So your traditional formerly CTE, but now CE programs. And so each, so, so you've seen on campus the work-based learning um, right. initiative. We've got the three work-based learning um, liaisons, yeah. Liaisons. Mm -hmm. um, they are a result of uh, the strong workforce money. And, and so the idea behind strong workforce is to help to embed 
um, workplace skills, um, not only within career education, but basically, but ac across the campus as well, so that um, so that we can ensure that our students are um, being trained for um, jobs and careers where they're going to have opportunity and they're and they're going to have employment opportunity. Um, to Mike's point, you know, a lot of California's California has seen um, a lot of people leaving the state and a lot of talented people leaving the state. And so there are pockets of um, there are pockets of opportunity <laughs> for um, for really good high paying jobs that don't necessarily require you to go all the way through to a bachelor's or a master's degree. Um, right. Some do, um, but the, the idea behind Strong Workforce is basically that regardless of your major, it's important to understand what jobs you can do as a result of getting a degree in that discipline and then getting the skills or obtaining the skills within your education to be able to acquire that position. Um, there's a really heavy focus. Like I said, the, the, primary, the, the primary beneficiary is traditional career education, but there's a, there is a heavy focus on things like internships, um, like I said, work-based learning. Um, entrepreneurship is, is pretty heavily called out within Strong Workforce. Um, some of the things that we've done on this campus with Strong Workforce funding, let me just kind of like rattle through. Uh, there's been a lot of um, Strong Workforce money that's got, that has gone toward developing OER. Right. Um, there has been strong workforce money that has gone toward um, paying for students to get specific certifications in, in industries. So um, CSIT certifications, um, accounting and bookkeeping certifications, um, and, and, all, and, and basically all of that stuff is, is certifications is what helps make them employable and, help, and is what helps make them look attractive to a prospective employer. Uh, another thing that we're doing with Strong Workforce Funding uh, is I just obtained funding for a series of workshops that now I now are really super timely. Um, they were going to be they're called Startup on a Shoestring, mm -hmm. and it, it's you know we've got one that's Start Your Social Media Business on a Shoestring, Start Your um, let's See, we had uh, Social Media. Um, I think I had CSIT in there. I had um, um, Jewelry Making. Um, food-based business um, because you know even you know there's we have lots of students in across our campus who are phenomenal bakers hmm. and they don't know that all they need to do in order to go down and sell at the farmers market or to sell online is to go just get us it's very simple just go get a cottage foods permit mm -hmm. and if they need money for ingredients or they need money for materials we have this micro venture fund through the foundation that can front them some money in order to get that stuff started. Cool. And Nate, I see you raising uh, cybersecurity in the chat in Zoom. Do you wanna? Yes. This is a huge industry that uh, there's a lot of players right here in Southern California. I've been working on a grant project with Rick Cassoni and he's the cybersecurity guy on campus, but strong growth and the Department of Defense is funding these small business innovation research Sibers, uh companies, and, and uh, they're all receiving Department of Defense funding. So I guess another avenue to, to think about is the big, massive government 
employment sector is still there. That's right. Uh, so as the as uh, the business sectors, you know, changes and modifies the federal government and, you know, the next the next level of warfare, they say, is, is not going to be sold, you know, actual physical soldiers. It's going to be the cyber warfare. Yeah. yeah and and um, I just let me just circle back because I, I see Sean's lovely photo up there uh, in a in a um, tip my hat to sociology because you guys just created a certificate for social work, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I just and, uh, I'm working on that right now through a grant. Yeah. Yeah, and and we've got um, social entrepreneurship that's coming online in the fall. But there are in any discipline, you know, when, when we think about strong workforce, um, it's it's really about taking, you know, if you're if you're a traditional academic discipline, you're thinking about okay, what are the career-based programs that align to my discipline? So sociology, for example, I could see like drug and alcohol counseling. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's a tremendous opportunity within the social discipline for a certificate as a drug and alcohol counselor. Yeah. Um, in, in the English discipline or in the letters discipline, um, technical writing mm -hmm. is huge. Scientific writing is huge. Um, library is huge within our local pharmaceutical companies. Um, and, and so it's, it's just a matter of, you know, then, and a lot of times it's, it's not really um, super sexy, but, um, but it, it does lead to a, a job and a career, yep, content writing, content manager, a, a job and a career where, um, you know, you, you're, you are gonna be able to find a job and you know and help to to you know and, and hopefully um the next time one of these things comes along um maybe you'll you'll i don't know never mind scratch that scratch well, all of what i just no, said no, no, no. <laughs> i think uh by, I just, by the way I, I i've started talking shit at the end of that <laughs> <laughs> we talk shit on this podcast so. yeah that's perfectly fine yeah welcome um maybe by way of starting to wrap up um uh, uh, I'll make a couple of quick connections. I, I'm really thinking about a short-term um, need on my behalf as an educator to think about um, transferable skills, uh, speci specifically transferable skills that can be um, um, valued remotely in, re in remote settings, right? But also long-term with this 3% contraction and the reality that what we are going to experience for the next five years is unprecedented for my generation, certainly. Um, then as we imagine, not just what I can do in the classroom, but as a discipline at a community college, as we start to rethink our course outlines of records, the objectives for our classes, these transferable skills that we wanna be promoting across disciplines, right? What I'm hearing all of us say should be technological skills, that we really should be emphasizing technological skills, specifically telecommunication. Mm -hmm. um, um, accounting skills sound very transferable. So I, I'm interested, you know, how can I, you know, we, we support those, that kind of thinking, that analytical thinking, organization, um, thinking entrepreneurially um, is, is a skill that we want to support. Um, but then also in terms of affective uh, uh, skills, um, resilience building, right? Mm -hmm. And long-term thinking, right? The, 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 what am I doing now that will benefit me way down the road? What can I be doing now to conserve resources way down the road? Can we go around? Is there, is there more we want to add to that list or maybe refine um, as we're starting to wrap up this conversation? Mike, you want to start us off? Yeah, I, I would just add one thing that, you know, we've already started doing on this campus and we're trying to expand it is the issue of financial literacy. Mm 
Mm. Because I think that the more we bring financial literacy into the over across the entire college curriculum, uh, then when we talk about things like, you know, building up a safe fund and things like that, it makes more sense to people. You know, you tell them what it is, and then you show them how to do it. Um, and we try to do that through some of the financial literacy working groups that, you know, uh, sessions that we have. And um, I think that makes a big difference, you know, and that's one of the reasons, you know, we, we have the VITA and the uh, FSA workshops where students can come in and on the FSA workshops come in and do their own tax return because, you know, them doing their own tax return gives them an, another a level of understanding of their own financial position and how decisions that they can make can affect the amount of money they get at the end of the day. And so, yeah, I, you know, for my part, I think the more that we can do campus-wide in partnership with all the disciplines in relation to financial literacy goes a long way to achieving that goal that Curry was just talking about. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Nate, want to add anything? Well, I was just putting it in the, uh, in the comments, but, I, you know, I think as everyone turns and looks to the federal government for it to be the end-all solution, there is still a structure where um, big businesses are going to get the bulk of the bailouts, socialistic support, sure. and for everyone else, it's more rugged individualism. Yeah. And so the more we can design our courses to support students, there's Thank always you. opportunity. There's always opportunity, and so I remain excited and uh, open to the change uh, that's going to happen for, for everybody. So. There's always good that comes out of radical change. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of this idea of socialism for, for the wealthy and, and capitalism for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, I don't know if we want to put that. That, that might be an edit out. <laughs> and Christina, did you want to? Add? So I would say, Curry, I think your list is great. However, you cannot neglect the right brain. Mm. Um, what are we all missing being locked in our locked away in our houses you know mm -hmm. what is the first thing that you're going to do when you when you get outside it's going to be it's going to be to connect with people it's going to be to go out and, you know we're missing physical activity we're missing doing things that you know that beyond the four walls that 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 are that are keeping us in right now that are closing in on us right now yes yes <laughs> you know and that you know and, and and regardless of of what industry you go into things like intuition and imagination and understanding um holistic thinking um are always gonna serve you well you know it's it's it is really easy to outsource um, somebody reading an x-ray, or it's really easy to outsource somebody, you know, doing your tax return. But what you can't outsource is the sitting down and telling somebody what it means and telling them what it means with empathy and understanding. You know, uh, creativity, um, appreciation for the arts, all of that is stuff that we have to continue teaching because those that, that that good liberal arts stuff is what helps to create the the new uh, apps it helps to create you know it, it helps the computer science major be a better computer programmer and a better computer scientist mm -hmm. it helps the accountant be a better communicator with their clients it helps the doctor have a better bedside manner mm -hmm. and it helps the entrepreneur 
be able to imagine the opportunities that exist, you know, when, when within um, a particular industry or field with a, or with a product idea. So, I mean, all of it, you know, that, that, that list that you mentioned is important, but we can't ever let the right brain stuff go. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, that makes Curry and I feel important, so that's good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it makes me jealous. <laughs> well, very good. Well, thank you, everybody, for being on. Um, is there anything anybody wanted to add? Maybe a message to students, message to other faculty during this time from, from you? I, I just hope that everyone's doing well. I hope that, you know, I, I do hope that we're, that we are, um, you know, thinking about don't ever like every time you sign off of your, your Zoom or your, your class or you send an announcement, you know, always, you know, like, like let's like just make sure that we end, we begin and end with a check-in. Cool. You yep. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I would say we have this beautiful pause opportunity and take some time, be silent, be still and let the creative juices flow um, and don't, don't uh, get too toxic with CNN and other news to kind of saturate you with all this bad news. But if you get, give yourself time to, to think and explore and be creative, solutions are there, opportunity is there. We're going to get through this. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, just telling our students that they are resilient and they are strong and that, you know, we are here to help them develop the innate skills that they have and and they will be they will be okay right on well, thank you everybody you guys thanks so much cool. yeah. thank you that was fun appreciate it appreciate hope, your time hope we made it sort of interesting <laughs> that was super interesting <laughs>this episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia created the show notes and manages our social media. Episodes of the Safe Topics podcast are now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please download and subscribe. Thank you for listening.